Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. And welcome back to the First Cut Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Kyle Porter. I'm Chip Patterson. And Kyle, I am fired up because it is May. We've got a major championship, the PGA Championship, coming up at Bethpage Black. It's going to be on CBS. Um, we've There are a thousand different ways to break this down. We are going to get into some of our storylines that we are watching in this show. On Wednesday, we will be making our official predictions, giving you some of our head-to-heads, our fantasy, our pool advice. All of our final picks will be on Wednesday. We will be checking in live from the PGA Championship on Friday, and all of that will be with our man on the scene, Kyle Porter. Kyle, in the content shed, um, I guess tomorrow's your travel day. How are you feeling? I'm good. I'm already, I feel like a Waffle House over here. I've already changed my winter like four times. Um, <laughs> it's Monday, so that's good. Uh, no, I'm, I'm great. Laid some sod over the weekend in my yard around the content shed, so everything's looking, looking sharp as I head out of town. So how are you in terms of uh, an agronomist, and are you laying down some, uh, some sweet uh, Kentucky bluegrass or some, some nice Bermuda around the content shed? I went to the to the turf store and I said, just whatever, is there anything that's cheap and grows in shade? <laughs> and like, with and I little don't light. To, to, like, I don't, I can just have my kids water it. Like, that's it. Do you have any of that stuff? And what'd they give you? Some, uh, some sod. Got, yeah, it's just St. Augustine. The, the, the worst part was like, they loaded it in my truck and it, and it was like almost touching, like it looked like I was... It wasn't good. It was almost like touching the ground. And so when I pulled into the driveway, like my my trailer hitch like scrapes through the street. It's like, who what is this guy doing? Like who is this? <laughs> well, when you you're not a professional, all right? You cannot be expected to have the weighted heavy duty I always have sod in the back of my truck kind of car. <laughs> the yard looks good though. So I'm I'm pleased with it. That's very very exciting. Um, all right, let's uh, let's start by taking a look back at the Byron Nelson a tournament that dealt with some weather delays, but was ultimately defined as you know sometimes they are not by its Sunday finish, but by something from earlier in the week. And it was Sung Kang just dropping a sixty-one in the second round. It for me, Kyle, it kind of took a little bit of the air out of uh, the competition with everyone else trying to chase him. Brooks Kepko was really, really good. He was probably the biggest name. You know, you had your Matt Every up there. We'll get to some some Romo talk a little bit later. But what what'd you make of Sung Kang? What do we know about this guy in terms of, you know, what this win could mean for him? Well, first of all, everybody was bemoaning the rain here in Dallas, and I was just saying, bring it on. Let my grass grow. With your new you sod. <laughs> yeah, I was loving it. Uh, you know, Kang is... It felt like a case of getting hot with the putter at the right time and 
probably won't win again in his PGA Tour career. And I, I, that sounds very harsh. It and does. Maybe ridiculous, but he's not like, I don't know, he, he's not like a, an elite ball striker. Like he just, you know, he gains 10 strokes on the field with his putter. That's uh, that's crazy. Like that's a crazy number. And I think you're right. Like, you know, I, and I look at this, like we always talk about, Oh, who, who can close on Sunday and all, all this like nonsense a lot of times. And it's like, well, who, who can defend on Sunday? Who's up three on one player and five on the rest of the field going into the final round. That's what I look at. So we like to look at Sunday scoring. We do this with Rory, right? We do yeah. this with Tiger. We do this all these, with all these guys. And it's like, well, how about the fact that you shot 61 on Friday, won you the tournament? Now, do you have to go like play the final two rounds? Sure. But I, I can't stress enough how much easier it is to defend a three-stroke re- lead rather than come from behind from even like a one or two-stroke lead on on multiple guys and also not just a one-round wonder he did drop a 65 in the first round too yeah and that's what i mean it, you know 65 yes it's great and it sounds great but scoring average is it's already pretty low it's i think it was in the 60s over the first couple of days so uh, it was, you know, four, yeah, you gain three, four, five strokes on the field. That's always a good day. But when you're gaining eight strokes on the field, <laughs> shoot a 61, that's, that's really good. And so, you know, I, it, it was interesting because I was watching the final round and he's the only guy on the leaderboard who's, who doesn't have a red number next to his name for the day. It was like eight holes in and everybody's like minus three, minus four, minus two, minus five. You know, Scott Piercy hasn't made, didn't make a bogey like the entire tournament. And Kang is he has a great, great number. He's just even like he just hadn't done anything. But you're like, man, there's still so much golf left. And he doesn't have to do that much relative to what he's already done. And so I just think. I, I, and you talk to these guys and it's like putting yourself in position, putting yourself in position. And that's what he did. And, uh, he made some clutch putts on Sunday though. He, he, that 23 footer he had on 15 was, was pretty sick. It was pretty awesome. And basically closed out the tournament because every made bogey there and, uh, Kane kind of cruised home. So we did not get our Spieth and Reed, uh, <laughs> final that we had hoped for in our in our perfect finish. But <clears throat> one of the bigger names was right there in the mix, and, and you know we we hinted at it earlier. Brooks Kepka, probably the closest that we got to see for in terms of uh, one of our major players, one of our major characters for this week at the PGA Championship. Kepka is going to be right up there. He he is going to be um, a major figure no matter what happens in terms of what we're tracking and what we're following here in this event. You know the the mentality can be looking at this from a warm up. Like no one. No one was thinking Brooks needs Brooks doesn't need to win any PGA Tour event. But right. what did you sort of take away as as we're walking, um, you know, from this event to Beth Page with Kepka, you know, one of the great major players of the last four years? Yeah, when I'm looking at him, all I don't I don't care if he wins. Like I don't. Which is the Brooks is, Kepka approach. That is the we have yeah, to yeah, yeah. we have to mirror exactly the way that Brooks is approaching this. Yeah, he doesn't care if he wins either. But uh, yeah, he's top ten in putting, top ten tee to green. That's all I want to see, right? Just just being sharp, going into uh, 
into Bethpage, and and he clearly is. I it, it was it was interesting on Sunday. I don't think he made a bogey on Sunday, but he was hitting some aggressive putts. Like he he knew that he like needed to do something, like shoot a you know thirty on the back nine or something like that, just to have a shot. And so he was he was pretty aggressive with his with his putting on Sunday. But look, like that all that tournament was for him. I think as one of the two or three, four biggest favorites for the PGA is like, let's make make sure everything's working good. Make sure everything is, you know, set up for, for the following week. And that that's clearly the case. I mean, it just looks, it, it looks so easy for him right now. I mean, it, it, it you know, and I, I think everybody when they're playing well could say that. Uh, and so maybe that's just indicative of the fact that he's playing well, but it, it just, viscerally looks like it golf is just almost too easy for him in in 2019 is uh actually we we've got so much pga talk to get to and like i mentioned kepka is going to be a major player but i do find him uh very intriguing we'll save some of that but also from the weekend we uh tony romo did not make the cut but both of his scores way under that 79 and a half that we got from the prop bets so all in all I would say Tony Romo has to feel good about the way he played at this performance, but how did you feel by the time the full Romo experience was done uh, at the end of the second round? What did we say? What what, what was the two-round number that we gave? Um, it was 150 maybe. Like we, we were trying to put him around like a 75. It was between 150 and 155, I think, right? Yeah, and he shot 150. It, I mean, it was funny because in, in the first round – Eagle's the seventh. He chips in, and he's like, he's like, going crazy. He was like running down a fist pump, and you're like, wait, wait a second, what's going on here? And then you know, it, 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 the, the hilarious part was that I can't remember who led after the first round, but uh, Romo was two under through seven, and whoever ended up leading, I can't remember who it was, was even par through seven. Well, whoever that player was, this is embarrassing that I can't remember it, uh, played the rest of his round in eight under. So he finished his eight under for the day. And Romo finished at like five over. So 13 stroke difference over the last 10 holes. Well, did he double eight or did he double nine? Because it was like he right after the chip in, he gave it all right back. Yeah, he doubled, uh, he doubled nine, I think. But I don't know, man. I just... I maintain my stance of like, what are we like doing here? Like the, the U S open qualifiers. Great. The web.com stuff, or I guess he didn't play a web.com. I guess he played a opposite field event on the PGA tour. I, I, I guess I get that, but I, I just like, what, how does this play out? Does he, is he in, is he just in the Nelson every year? Like, is that just on his calendar? I, I, I don't, I don't really know like any, and then he's talking after his round as if like, well, we got some stuff going in the right direction. And it's like, are you on the PGA tour? Do you know what I think? I think, I think that he would entertain if he could make it all work out a second professional career in the game of golf. Yeah. But, but how, like how, like you have to, you can't just you only get so many spon you can't just sponsor exemption into everything. Right. How what what are like, the what are, are the requirements you, for the senior tour? He's only like 38, isn't he? Yeah, I'm wondering if we're working towards that. 
I'm just yeah, like senior senior tour is actually harder to get on, I think, than PGA tour because you actually have to have the PGA tour results. Yeah, like I think they're I I, I don't know what they are, but like they make it difficult for you to get into it unless you were a star. I mean, it, that's the reason that the champions tour was created, right? Is like, Oh, come see the former stars of the PGA right. tour. And so they sort of limit it to that. So the debate, uh, I played Saturday morning with some friends and at lunch we were just sort of thrown around, you know, okay. So is it, is it possible? Like we've seen, um, football and baseball. Like we just started throwing out all the different, like two sport, characters that have been able to play at a professional level even at the minor leagues you know but to play at a professional level um in two sports and the one thing for golf is that there's no off time right it's like an 11 month season it, it is not something that you would be able to split with anything else but tony romo having retired as a professional football player currently as a broadcaster could he get his game into a place where he is just this Yes, a little bit of a circus character, and I would understand the what are we doing, but I just wondered if in Tony Romo's mind, he's like, no, I can I can do this. And and we've continued to see him with the web.com sponsors exemptions and with slowly working his way up. I really wonder if Tony Romo, the, the competitor side of him that is obviously not dead, really views himself as a potential um, as a potential professional golfer here before you know in the next 10 to 15 years his uh his world ranking right now is 2057th hey wasn't where was tiger (laughs) (laughs) when 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 tiger's at the champions dinner saying that he's about to hang it up wasn't he in the over 1000 yeah he got he got to like 1100 i i don't by the way i think i think i misspoke on this romo has not gotten into a web event he's played two port uh, is that, yeah, two Puerto Rico events, which is the opposite field, which sort of feels like a web event. And then the one Byron Nelson, those, those are his three tournaments in the last couple of years. But yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, is he going to go to like web Q school and try to like work his way up? I, I just, yeah. I think it's, there's like a weird middle ground where he's famous enough and good enough to be able to get these sponsor exemptions. But is this like going to be your deal? Like, is it going to be your career? I, I don't, and we don't need to spend too much time on, we've already probably spent too much time on Romo, but I, I and I, look like everybody you talk to, I, I don't know him, but I think he's like awesome. Like good dude. Like I'm not blaming him. I'm just wondering like what the overall end game is in, in all of this. Well, the end game is that Tony Romo was the third biggest name in that field. <laughs> we got these tickets it, to sell that's that's not his fault like i would play too like, i'm not that's not nothing against him you know i just uh i don't know we'll we'll see how it plays out and now it's time for stock up stock down brought to you by td ameritrade and the focus of our stock up stock down feature this week is on jordan spieth so Jordan Spieth, uh, one of those players that was about a dozen strokes back of Sung Kang, but still with a pretty decent spot on the leaderboard. Uh, what was some after seeing Jordan Spieth at this event? What were some of your feelings, and, and what's the the stock forecast for Jordan Spieth as he's uh, moving ahead, taking his game to Beth Page? I got some numbers here for you, Chip. Are you ready for these? I am ready for numbers. 
Okay, Jordan Spieth, where do you think he ranks on the PGA Tour in terms of birdie average per tournament? In terms of birdie average per tournament, like how, I'm going to say yeah, how many how many birdies he makes per uh, excuse me per round, not per tournament. I'm going to say he is 35th. He's 18th, better okay. than John Rahm, better than Tony Finau, better than Dustin Johnson, better than Adam Scott, better than Hideki Matsuyama. Uh, but if you turn it around and say, where is Jordan Spieth on bogey avoidance? So this is the ability to avoid making bogeys. He is 148th on the PGA Tour, tied with a, a fellow by the name of Ben Silverman. Um, so Spieth's issue, and he talked about this a little bit on Sunday. He didn't dive into it, but in his interview with, with uh, Amanda Balionis, he, he touched on it briefly. His issue is not that he's not scoring. He's still scoring at a really an elite level. I mean, top top twenty on the PGA Tour in birdies per round. His issue is that he's making a double around or four bogeys in a round. I mean, one hundred and forty eighth on the PGA Tour in bogey avoidance. I was going to guess two hundred and two. So that's better than that. I mean, we're we're talking about like he has Madman scorecards. Almost all year he's had Madman scorecards. Yeah, the Shane Bacon, the psycho scorecard. Like it, the scorecards look like a geometry worksheet. <laughs> they really kind of do. And so I just, I can't, I don't, I don't feel like I can trust it whenever you're going out at a place like Trinity Forest where, I mean, let's be honest, it's pretty easy. Now, did he get sort of a bad draw on like Thursday with the wind. Sure. But he made eight bogeys and two doubles at a place where, you know, Scott Piercy doesn't make a bogey at all. And, you know, Peter Uline makes like three bogeys on the week. It, it just, um, I don't know. I just don't know that I can trust it going into the PGA. So I guess that means stock, stock down for him. I, I was more, focused on like just pointing out like this is sort of the reason that you're not seeing the results is not that he's not scoring. And so I think that's, I I actually think that's sort of encouraging, but until I start to see the cleanup because it's harder to score, right? Like if you look at the names on top of the birdie average, uh, so Justin Thomas leads Jason day, uh, Bryson, Justin Rose, tiger, Kepka, Ricky, these are all got Rory. These are all guys ahead of Spieth. So he's right there with those guys in terms of scoring. It's just he's made so many mistakes. And I don't really see that trending in the right direction. And until it does, I just I, – I got to say stock down. I'll take it a step further. Um, working – I think that if you were to try to identify some uh, – his approach shots are not elite in a way that Jordan Spieth has been at the top of his game. But, yeah. man, he is – really setting himself back off the tee. I, I was looking it up earlier this morning, working on some other stuff, and it's like like minus 6.96 strokes gained off the tee. Driving accuracy is like outside of the top 200 in the PGA Tour. I mean, that just seems like such a recipe for posting big numbers. That if he can't... And he can slap... Like, we've talked about him as slappy and being able to recover, but... That just seems like if if I was to try to start putting the blame somewhere for speed, that is just a horrible way to start holes. He's uh, 202nd in strokes gained off the tee, 205th in driving accuracy. Unbelievable. And guess where you need to be accurate with the driver? 
at a bet page. Yeah. Like I know that it's not going to be like a U.S. Open, but you know, in in reading a kind of about Beth Page, like uh, Carrie, I think it was Carrie Haig who sets up the PGA Championship has said like, look, the fairways are not different really than the U.S. Open, <laughs> and uh, not not a great recipe for uh, for for Jordan Spieth to uh, to complete the the career slam. Yeah, we we like Jordan Spieth. We're rooting for him to get this uh, to get out of the woods here, but uh, I, I'll agree with you here. I think stock down coming off Trinity Forest. And that has been Stock Up, Stock Down with TD Ameritrade. Coming up after the break, the storylines we're interested in, stat of the day, and of course, our Monday over-unders. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, uh, this is you've got ten storylines, mm, all yep. ten of them up on cbssports.com right now. I uh, wanted to dive into a few of them um, first. When you are starting to to take a look back at sort of what this era of majors is going to be, where do you where do you put your brackets? Like, where do you set your brackets to try and figure out, um, you know, who are the the names that are reigning right now? Um, like you can't take it back to like, sorry, I I didn't explain that well. Like if you can't say that the current major era goes all the way back to 2015 because 2015 was the summer of Spieth and that just ain't where we're at right now. Right. So you got, you've kind of got to look at the, um, the current major landscape. I take it back to the beginning of 2017. I think it's, uh, what you're to, yeah, I do too, because I, I think I look at sort of this being the Kepka defining, era right yes and he and he wins aaron hills in 2017 did you see what jim nance said about him by the way no he said best run i think he said best overall run i don't i don't think he qualified it with major run but best overall run on the pga tour since tiger in the early 2000s i think we're there uh i mean rory in 14 spieth in 15 no i mean I think we are there like it is a conversation that we should entertain. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's fair. But, but to your point, like, yeah, I, I take it back to start of 2017. Jimmy Walker closes out the era before that with a thrilling win at Baltusrol at the end of 2016 at that PGA championship. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just remember our buddy, Robbie Callen, who we might, I hope we get a chance to catch up with sometime, but yeah. he was, that was like his major that he got to go to. He was really the hyped lo- about it. The, the lost major. <laughs> the only thing I remember about that major is they played like 40 holes on Sunday and Jason day made an Eagle on 18 on in the final round to almost win. But uh, no, I think it's, I think what's been interesting. One, one of my like sort of under the radar storylines under the radar storylines is the fact that if you look at the last, I don't know, years worth of majors, we've gotten almost the exact same leaderboards at every major. I mean, going back to like, so the U S open last year, uh, I, I don't have it in front of me, but Kepka wins DJ's up there. Um, 
I can't remember fleet. I think Fleetwood was up there, but anyway, Kepka's on top. So you go to the open and it's, it's Molinari, it's Tiger, uh, it's Rory, it's Rose. You go to the PGA, it's Molinari, it's Kepka, it's Tiger. You go to the Masters, it's Molinari and Tiger playing in the final, final groove. Kepka's up there, finishes T2, it's DJ again. So we've seen these players emerge at major after major after major over the last year. And I, I'm interested to see if that continues at the PGA or do we get a completely different board? I, I don't, I don't, I mean, nobody knows how that's going to play out, but that's one of the things that one of the things that's kind of intriguing me going into this as a fan, or at least, you know, looking at it from the fans perspective, would you rather see a disruption or do you like the idea that we're basically building out what would become it's hard in an individual sport to have rivalries, but basically what would become sort of a group rivalry of this upper tier at majors? Uh, probably, probably the disruption part, the right disruption, right? Like get, get, uh, you know, get Rory in there, get Ricky in there, get, uh, I don't need like Jason Kokrak in there. Right, but Tony uh, Finau, Xander Shoffley, like there are there's some there's some disruption to be had there. Yeah. The leaderboard at the US Open last year went Kepka, Fleetwood, DJ, Reed, uh, Finau, by the way. Xander. So <laughs> they, already, they already kind of kind of were up there. But uh yeah, I would say probably disruption, but le- leaving Tiger in there just because he's the the friction that uh, creates interest against you know I, I just I don't I don't really buy the thing like oh Kepka and, and Tiger have a rivalry or Molinari and Tiger it's like uh, no I, I mean like I just I want just a bunch of big names no but I do think that uh <laughs> I think that Tiger spinning his putter in his hand as he's walking towards twelve one way and. Molinari and Finau going to the drop zone. Yeah. And like I you're right. Like I don't I'm not trying to force a rivalry, but if the same if the same golfers are all competing against each other on Saturdays and Sundays to win major championships over three to four years, it may not be a specific rivalry rivalry, but that is some familiar that's some familiarity that breeds for incredible theater in, in the sporting landscape. Yeah, I think what's interesting is that you initially had, you know, everybody's like, oh, Tiger, you know, Molinari quaked in his boots over playing with Tiger. It's like, well, he kind of rolled him at Carnoustie. Like, it was, well, that was the, you know, that like, was the Frank Molinari. Um, that was like what you were jumping on him for because the scene was crazy and he was playing with Tiger and, and the vibes, he, like Tiger was on top of the leaderboard. Um but Molinari kept it steady where Tiger wasn't able to, right? Like he just sort of outlasted him. And that was one of the great compliments that you were able to give him in the win. Yeah, totally. Molinari, by the way, his first, I looked this up. He has double the top tens. I think he has four top tens in his last six majors. That's double what he had in his first 32. So two, two, two top tens in his first 32 and four in his last six. That's crazy. Hey, the, uh, it's a, it's a game you can play your entire life. He just, yeah, he's, that, that sweet he's just, swing just found something special here. By the way, uh, how many, how many straight, I don't know if we've talked about this, how many straight Nike, uh, golfers have won majors. So you had tiger masters, 
Kepka PGA, Molinari Open, Kepka US Open, Reed Masters. So that's five. Right. 17 PGA was, uh, I guess, Justin Thomas. So five in a row. Mm. Fino. Fino. Rory. Mm. I don't have a fun little streak. I guess Darren Ravel. What do you think? What do you think? <laughs> what do you think gets broken first? Sergio makes a cut at a major, or a, Ni- a non-Nike athlete wins a major. A non-Nike athlete wins a major. <laughs> <laughs> I, I sent in Sergio as my sleeper for our uh, CBS Sports HQ show that we're going to do it's, in about twenty minutes, and I was like, uh oh, it's a good, it's a good pig. It, do, have you seen his history at Bethpage? Well, that's my talking point. I mean, that was, that was, I mean, the audience may or may not want to hear this, but like, I was like, okay, we've got 30 minutes of talking that we got to do. I better have, better have some facts and stats to back up whatever I'm saying. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) Um, all right. And then of course, uh, well, how about this? The course, what, what's, what's your mindset of what to expect? We just mentioned it a little bit. Got to be able to hit it long and straight. They're going to set it up a little bit like a U.S. open. Like what's the... What's the general feeling for what Beth Page is going to play like here this weekend? I don't know, man. I I feel I feel conflicted on this because I played Beth Page in September. I know everybody wants to hear about that thrilling round, and it is it's a monstrosity. I mean, it's so difficult, uh, but it's also going to be. There's just so many like different things converging. It's it's been raining a ton, so it's going to be soft. And I don't think that they're going to, you know, the rough isn't up like it, like it is at a U.S. Open. But it's a course that, I mean, if you look at it, they've had four big-time tournaments there. They've had two, uh, bar, two, two playoff events, essentially, and two U.S. Opens. And the winning scores have been 274, 275, 276, and 277. So it hasn't been like a lot of variance, even when you compare like the PGA Tour event to the USGA event. And I guess I would expect something in that range to win. But like, what if it's cold and windy? Then it gets crazy. I just, I, I don't really, I mean, what are you expecting? Because I, I don't think that there's like a, um, like an expertise really to be had here because of how many different things are, are kind of going on. I'm expecting it to be a little bit, um, I'm expecting it to be a little bit tight. You know, and that's I, maybe that's just sort of my own approach. That when you have that that weather and a, and a course that can be so challenging, that there's just there's just something about trying to in a major a major championship, no less. Like I wonder if it's just going to be a little bit tight through Thursday and Friday with um, the idea of limiting mistakes and limiting the big scores really uh dominating the way i could be totally wrong about that and we could see someone we could see brooks come out super aggressive and go 66 65 i don't know but i i'm i am guessing that because of what the weather forecast is looking like right now that it's just going to be a really really congested i don't know what the scores exactly are going to be but i'm expecting it to be very very congested through the first two rounds at least yeah i just i i think that I don't think it's going to be like Bell Reeve. You know, you see guys come out 64, 63, 65. I just, yeah, I just don't, I, I don't. But that's like, like St. That. Louis, late summer, your muscles are all loose. You're all warmed up. I just, I, I don't know. There's like almost a very physical aspect to this where I'm just like, I don't know. It just seems tight. 
right? Yeah. Is that is that? Yeah. I don't know if I'm communicating that well, but um, no, I, I I agree, and 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 it, I think in that sense, I forgot who mentioned this. It might have been Fowler talking about how it could play a little, or it could feel like a little bit like an open. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, like an open championship, which is a very weird like visual when you think about Long Island in May at a PGA Championship, but. I, you know, it's, it's going to be cold. I mean, it's like the high is like 64 every day and the, you know, the, I think I don't, the rough isn't going to be high, but it's going to be, I think pretty thick and maybe wet. I just, you know, I think the, the one thing that people have talked about, Sean Martin wrote about this for pjtour.com is like, you get the ball on the greens and it's not, it's not that difficult of a putting course. Like it, it's not the greens are not super difficult. Phil had a great quote about how like you feel like when you're on those greens, you can make a lot of the putts Mm. in it. And that's not necessarily, and, and, you know, he's saying that having played us opens there and having played, uh, you know, also playoff events there. But, uh, yeah, I just, I think one of the keys and Sean pointed this out is going to be getting the ball on the green from the rough. What's your, what's your, um, proximity to the hole from the rough like that that like whoever leads in that as long as you're one of the top you know 25 guys like that person might be the the guy who ends up winning the tournament um and it it feels like a no duh storyline but still um where are you at with tiger here where am i at with tiger i don't know man i mean i sort of agree with sean like take his name out of it just look at the just look at the profile you know top 10 in strokes gain won the last major, two of his last seven PGA Tour events, has won at Bethpage before. Like if, if you just took his name out and you're just picking, you know, like the blind resume thing, like at the NCAA tournament, wouldn't wouldn't you pick that guy to finish in the top 10? Yes. Yeah. So like, and then add his name in and you're like, oh, this guy, is, this, is he going to win two in a row? I mean, he's only he, he's only ever won the first two of the year one time. But it was at Augusta and Bethpage in 02. I'm out. Yeah. I'm Why? out. Just because he... Uh, huh? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm out because the there's there's just something about the, um, the long layoff, the feeling that, you know, there's... I, I'm not doubting his hunger to win, but I am looking at Tiger Woods and thinking that it has taken a monumental effort to arrive at the top of the mountain and to imagine that it's just going to be easy. I do not think it's going to be that easy for a 43-year-old to just keep that rolling. Here's why I'm out, and this is going to sound ludicrous, and maybe it is. I just I don't know that I trust him when it's like cold and wet. And you need to be able to hit it. Sh- like when When he's not going to be... Uh, pulling out the three wood and, and, you know, finding a nice little draw. Like when he needs to hit it really long and straight and hit driver, he's going to be in trouble. Yeah. And that was the storyline at Augusta is that he was able to do that over and over again. I just, and I, I say, I don't trust him. I just don't know if I trust the body. Yeah. You know, like I, 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 and that again, like I know, I realize how ludicrous that sounds to say it out loud, but, uh, I don't know. I just, I, that's just kind of where I'm at. I, I uh, yeah, I don't know. There, there was a, there was an interesting thing that uh, Ian O'Connor wrote on ESPN.com about 
Uh, he he did the the Joe Acava like his caddy. He did it from that angle, and it's awesome. It's really good. But he was just talking about how much prep work there is before each round, how much cool down work there is after each round, and just how much time goes into it. And it's like I I don't, I don't know. I'm just I'm not feeling that at Bethpage in kind of a cooler, maybe windier PGA Championship. But you know what? To your first point. I, I do like Tiger to, as top 10. Yeah. For, yeah. you know, and I, I don't know how that ends up going, you know, getting pieced together, but, well, uh, the key is going to, the key is going to be the first round, right? Just being able it's to gonna, go out there and drop a, a 69 or a 70 or, or 68 even maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so his first round scoring average, hold on, I'm looking it up right now. I don't think it's that good. Um, he is first round scoring average 58th on the PGA Tour, mm. 14th in the second, 19th in the third, and 34th in the final round. So his first rounds have been significantly worse than his other three. And so, like, if he goes out, I just I feel like you're going to be able to tell everything from his first round. In 09, he played. Joel Beal did this on on GolfDigest.com. Uh, he put I think he played the final three rounds lower than anybody. Uh, but the, his, he shot like a 73 or something in the first round and it just, it just, he, he, it, again, it's the Sun Kang thing, right? Like he, it's so, it's so, so hard to play from behind against the, the quality of these fields. And so I think we're going to know, I think we're going to know a ton after Tiger gets down with 18 holes. All right, it's Monday. It's time for the stat, 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 stat of the day. What's our stat of the day, Kyle? Well, we are going Beth Page. Uh, but we're not going U.S. Open. We're going uh, Barclays at Bethpage. So they played the Barclays here in 2012 and 2016 as part of the FedEx Cup playoffs. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, How many guys do you think made the cut at both of those? And who do you think has the lowest score to par of those players? It's 12 and 16. 2012, 2016 FedEx Cup playoffs. I think that nine players have made the cut at both. Okay. It's actually 30. <laughs> okay. Can I guess who I think has the best score? Yes. Rory McIlroy. Uh, no, oh. he has the like 13th best score. He's one of 16 guys under par. Okay. Um, is it 2012? 2016 is it dj dj is correct all right so dj uh to a par of 71 i think they played as par 71 both those years they played it as a par 70 in 02 and 09 at the u.s open just because just because um but so DJ's eight under Jason days also eight under in those two tournaments. You got Ryan Moore at seven under Ricky at seven under Louis Oosthuizen at seven under Bubba, Brian Harmon at six under and then on down the list. So DJ and Jason day, good history here. Um, and, and s- somewhat recent, you know, 16 not that long ago. 12, uh, 12 is 12 is pretty far, but uh, I don't know. I thought that was interesting. Brian Harmon was out here making cuts in the playoffs in 2012. I know. Missed that. 
Yeah. He's kind of that Fowler age. He yeah. looks older. Right, right, right. But, and he and he's got um, and he's got the game of a of a of a senior compared to all these young bucks that bomb yes. it. <laughs> yes, he does. Uh all right, over under time. What are our over unders today? Yeah, we got uh do you want me to set them? Um no, I'll set them. So let's okay, go so- uh, winning score and this will be part of our expert picks for yep. uh cbssports.com winning score i'm going to say over under 273 and a half yeah that's the right number that's 10 and a half under um i'm going to say over looking for some say it, the, some weather impact in this yeah. Yeah, I'm going to say it plays a little harder than... I mean, we've never seen better than 274 win the tournament. So, yeah, I'll say over. Um, Tiger Woods' finish on the PGA Championship leaderboard, either higher on the leaderboard or lower, or you could say better or worse than 7.5. I'm going to say worse. If I set it at 10.5, what would you say? Uh, I would say better. Okay. Cause we, we so, sort of agreed earlier that we're both looking at him as a top 10 player, but I am, I am yeah. with you that I am not ready to say that he's going to be T three at the end of this thing. Like if I have to, if I have to like pick a path, I'm saying he shoots like a 71 in the first round and then he goes like 68, 70, 69 or something like that. Finishes, finishes in like, a log jam at T seven. T nine, yeah, yeah. So, something like that. Now, is that how it's going to go? I don't know. Who knows? But that's it, like if I have to pick a path right now, that's that's where I'm headed. Um, and finally, how many more Nelsons at Trinity? <laughs> this is a, this well, is a, a hyper local over under, Kyle. <laughs> yeah, it is. Like, and this is sort of a personal one because I feel like so going to the in the same way for you with Quill Hollow, like going to the Byron Nelson is like a thing around here. I live in Dallas or I live just North of, of downtown Dallas. And I feel like the last two years it, and maybe it's just cause I'm getting older and don't, we don't do the same things, but I don't feel like anybody's like excited to go to the Byron Nelson in the same way they were when it was at TPC four seasons. And the irony there is that it's at a course that the, the players like a lot better than the old one. And so you've got, I don't know, a couple different things going on there. I looked this up. The the contract for the Byron Nelson at Trinity Forest runs through 2021. Um, so, you know, the question is whether that will be renewed. Will the new course that the PGA of America is building for the PGA Championship, will that come into the mix? That's up in uh, Frisco. So that's way north of where Trinity Forest is. It's going to be pretty interesting to see kind of how that plays out over the next few years. I'm going to say over under five and a half more Nelsons at Trinity. I will say, I'll say under, I don't know where they're going to go, but I'll just say under for the heck of it. My, my challenge to you is that yes, uh, you, we, all of us are getting older and our social habits and our, our social circles, social habits uh, have changed. I don't, I don't have as many friends uh, going to the quail like they used to, but there are still some younger versions of us that are there, you know? Yeah. 
So, but, and like, I think that the, the event change, I'll leave a couple of years to see if, uh, you know, new habits and new routines pick up, but I'll, I'll say over. I mean, I got, I got to stand behind, uh, Carolina Hurricanes owner, Tom Dundon on this one. We really need all the good mojo that we can get down. O two to the Bruins. <laughs> Isn't he the like owner of the club or something? I don't know. I don't, does he own it? No, I, I don't know if he owns, but he's he has major stake in either the course itself or the country club. Uh, okay. Mm. Yeah, I don't. I that's not my world. Go Canes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he is Kyle Porter. You can follow him on Twitter at Kyle Porter CBS. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Uh, all right, Kyle. We'll always watch CBS Sports HQ, CBSSportsHQ.com. We're about to hop off and jump on. We'll be on it all week. Uh, Kyle, thank you very much. Looking forward to our show, Chip. Talk to you later.